Hello and welcome to the Pandemic Puppy Podcast, brought to you by Journey Dog Training and the Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group on Facebook. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I'm super excited to be raising my puppy, Niffler, alongside all of you. He's almost a year old, can you guys believe it? And I'm a certified dog behavior consultant and conservation detection dog trainer, but Niffler is the first puppy that I'm raising all on my own, so we are right in the thick of it together. I'm thinking about all the same things you are thinking about. So today we are talking about introducing puppies to cats. Like many of the things that we talk about, the difficulty of this is going to vary really widely by based on your household, you know, your puppy, your puppy's breed, your puppy's age, your cat's personality, your cat's age, etc. So I'm going to do this my best to make these tips applicable, but if you get really stuck, you can always reach out to Journey Dog Training for additional help. Before we get started, there's always a couple housekeeping things. This podcast is supported by our members over on Patreon, so for three bucks a month, you support the podcast and get perks like submitting questions for us to tackle at the end of each episode. You can sign up over at patreon.com slash pandemic puppy. Let's get to it. So as I said up top, the biggest thing to keep in mind when introducing puppies to cats is that everything is going to depend a lot on the personality of your puppy or your dog and your cat or your kitten. So, you know, we've got a lot of moving parts here. We've got the dog, we've got the cat, we've got your household, we've got the setup, um, we've got anyone else who's involved in your household, um, we've got both of your, everyone's learned experiences. There's just a lot of moving parts. So again, everything here is going to be a bit of a generality. I'll try to talk about some different situations, but you know, eh, we're not gonna be able to cover everything here. So first things first, when we're thinking about introducing a puppy to a cat is we need to make sure that we've set the environment up for success. That means adding hiding places and elevation for the cat, so shelves, bookcases, um, anything else that the cat can climb up on, you know, cat trees, anything like that. Um, if you're familiar with the concept of catification, that's what we're doing here. We also will potentially want to add in things like baby gates, our puppy palace that we talk about in just about every episode, and our leashes to help ensure that the puppy is going to be well contained and that the cat can move away if the cat so chooses. The next thing to think about before we go ahead and do any introductions or do any kind of one-on-one -on -one training sessions with the puppy and the cat is that we need to ex ensure that the puppy is well exercised but not overtired or cranky. So a good time to do this might be after you know you wake up, you take the puppy out, puppy out for some potty, you do a little play session, but the puppy isn't quite ready to go down for another nap yet, that might be a good time. I wouldn't do this right after, after the puppy wakes up or after the puppy has just come home from puppy kindergarten because in one of those cases the puppy is going to be too excited and the other the puppy might be a little overtired and cranky and therefore most, more likely to be kind of barky mouthy. For our younger puppies, so kind of our puppies under 14 or 16 weeks or so, they're going to adapt much more quickly and easily. And with most really young puppies and many cats, pretty much you're going to go ahead and let the cats set their own boundaries. And ugh, I'm, I'm hesitant to say this, but more or less let them work it out. And of course, that's not entirely true. Um, we are going to basically start out with allowing those younger puppies to have supervised interactions with the cat pretty early on. And, you know, the reality is with our younger puppies in that age category, you shouldn't be letting them hang out unattended with the cat anyway because they shouldn't be unattended, period, if you want to prevent accidents and destructive chewing and other common puppy problems. As we get into the older puppies, so if you have just adopted an eight-month-old from the shelter or even a five or six-month-old, that is going to make this situation much more challenging. 
So in the case of an older puppy, so a puppy who is kind of big enough and strong enough to be a potential risk to the cat versus the other way around, we um, might want to actually treat this a little bit more like a full-on dog-cat introduction, not a puppy-cat introduction. So there we're going to be relying much more heavily on our physical management solutions like the leashes and gates and puppy palaces and doing a little bit more counter-conditioning and desensitization between both animals. The other consideration is if you have a really small puppy or a really timid puppy and a, you know, if you've got a big bossy tomcat or something like that, you may want to think a little bit about making sure that you keep your puppy safe from the cat. So again, in those cases where the biggest thing is probably going to be making sure that the puppy isn't antagonizing the cat. So again, we're going to be thinking about using our leashes and gates and giving the cat plenty of room to avoid because the vast majority of cats, even with a big cat and a little puppy, the vast majority of cats are going to avoid or ignore rather than intentionally antagonizing or picking fights. And the animals are going to learn to communicate with each other more over time. One of the other things to think about is that is the breed of your puppy. So if your puppy is a breed that is more likely to be prey driven, so I'm looking at you, our greyhounds, our huskies, um, some of our more primitive or ancestral breeds, and a lot of our terriers, <laughs> um, Earlier interactions are going to be even better, even more important, and management may increase through teenagerhood. So just because your eight-week-old terrier is really good with your cat does not mean that at eight months they're going to retain those same lessons. So you may be able to give them some free interaction when the puppy is little, and then as they get older, you may need to start managing a little bit more, again, with all those different physical management procedures that we've talked about five times in five minutes. Um, for... Most of our kind of companion breeds, many of our sporting breeds, and even some of our herding breeds, we shouldn't, um, we won't see as much of an increase in difficulty. Um, although, again, still teenagerhood may show some problem behaviors cropping up. You may expect your herding dogs to start trying to herd the cat as they hit teenagerhood and into adulthood. Um, some of our really rambunctious sporting breeds may do, um, may get a little bit rough, etc. This podcast is supported by the Puppy Raising Blueprint course, which you can find at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. In this course, which is partnered between Journey Dog Training and Canine of Mine, I guide you through everything from common problem behaviors like biting and potty training to the humane hierarchy of dog training. It's always available on a self-study basis at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint. Okay, so again, for our really young puppies and cats who are a little bit more dog savvy, we can more or less allow for supervised interactions where the cat has plenty of options, the puppy is appropriately tired but not overtired, ideally the puppy has some other things to do as well, so we're not just kind of throwing them into a mosh pit, but the puppy might have some toys, some chews, some other things to do, and again, we're more or less just supervising interactions and letting things happen. The cat may give the puppy some corrections, and hopefully the puppy will learn to respect those, they'll learn to communicate. But let's say things are not going that smoothly, or you've got an older puppy, or a cat who is making things more difficult, whether that cat is behaving more aggressively, or more fearfully, or, you know, whatever it is. In those cases, we are going to start rewarding both animals for calmly ignoring each other and or calmly interacting. Part of this is going to be counter conditioning in that we're, both animals are learning that the other animal produces treats. So puppy learns that being around cat makes treats happen. Cat learns that being around puppy makes treats happen. 
So that's super duper awesome. The other thing we're doing is we're basically teaching each animal something to do in the presence of the other rather than antagonizing each other. So, you know, basically if puppy is licking a peanut butter Kong and cat is eating some Bonito flakes, they are not fighting because they are eating. So one of the things that people get stuck on a little bit here is thinking about treats for the cats. Some cats are nice and food motivated, and if you just start feeding them in specific meal times, you'll be good to go. Other cats make things a lot more difficult. So there um, we can start thinking about some creative treats for the cats. I really like using meat flavored baby food on a popsicle stick. So you can get like, it's like Gerber second foods, chicken or beef or pork. Um, that works pretty well for most cats and they learn to take it off of a popsicle stick pretty easily. You can also of course use things like tuna or salmon. You can do store-bought treats um, of a number of varieties. And um, I've also had some really good success with using Bonito flakes. Um, so if you get stuck trying to figure out what to get your cat to eat in the presence of the puppy, you can start getting creative with some of those treats. And as we've talked about before, if your cat, just like your dog, is not able to eat in the context of a training environment, you may want to consider whether or not that cat is comfortable enough. One thing to keep in mind, some cats just aren't used to taking treats. They're not used to eating in these given environments. So if your cat doesn't know how to lick baby food off of a popsicle when the puppy isn't around or doesn't like that food, um, then the training session isn't necessarily a failure. It's the reward and the reward delivery. So make sure you practice feeding the cat outside of the context of having the dog around, the puppy around. And then <laughs> once we've, so now the cat is eating well, the cat is training with us, the puppy is doing the same. Now we'll put a baby gate between the two of them and have the puppy potentially on leash and have each of them in a place where they can see, hear, and smell each other and they're eating happily. And again, this procedure is going to be more important the older the puppy is or if we're running into other problems. So do this a couple times a day. So they're just hanging out near each other and eating. Um, do that several times. We can also do some scent swapping where we're actually swapping beds or other clothes or swapping space. So the cat may be allowed to enter the puppy palace while the puppy is out on a walk. And then the puppy may be allowed to explore the cat's part of the house while, um, while the cat is, you know, sleeping in the laundry room or something like that. So that they get used to the presence of each other. Um, and then for the puppy, again, during these, um, these, training sessions where we've got a baby gate up in between them, you might want to consider a long-lasting chew or a licky mat for the puppy rather than trying to hand feed them kibble. Um, that'll just, especially if you're a single person, then you can be kind of managing the cat while the puppy is dealing with the licky mat potentially inside their puppy palace or something like that. Puppy palaces will make this much easier because the cat has free movement and can come and go as they please while the puppy is safely contained. So that's going to help a lot because the puppy isn't invading the cat's space. The puppy's just where it is and the cat can get used to the concept of the puppy while the puppy is safely contained. Um, which is just a really important point. I would much rather handicap the puppy than handicap the cat. So some people you may see on the internet suggest just putting the cat in a crate or in a kennel and letting the dog interact and inspect freely. That is the opposite of what I would recommend because the cat, you have to remember, is a prey animal. So even if the cat is bigger than the puppy, the cat is more likely to experience a stronger fear response. So we don't want to put them in a situation where they're feeling trapped um, or harassed by the puppy at all. 
If the puppy is really highly aroused or the cat is kind of extra nervous, we can cover those baby gates with towels or even use two baby gates to separate the animals further. So if you cover the baby gates with towels, then what we're doing is allowing them to hear and smell each other or maybe see a little bit of each other, kind of depending on how we move that towel around, but not get full visual contact. And then we can kind of gradually move that towel around to get to the point where they're interacting more freely through the gate. Or again, we can use two baby gates, so maybe one at one end of the hallway and the other a couple feet down the hallway, so that the animals can't even get nose to nose through the gate. And again, we're continuing to teach both animals that the presence of the other equals tasty treats. Once the animals are somewhat calmly interacting through the baby gate, and ideally they're even potentially ignoring each other through the baby gate, then we can put the puppy on leash and remove the baby gate. And again, allow that cat to move freely. The cat has vertical spaces and hidey spaces, and we are rewarding the puppy for disengaging from the cat. You can let the puppy interact with the cat as long as you believe that is safe to do. So again, take extra care if you've got like a... <laughs> you know, uh, an 80-pound teenage Malamute um, versus, you know, that's going to be a very different situation from some of our younger or smaller puppies. But allow that puppy to interact and inspect the cat, and then you can allow the cat to tell the puppy off. So that's really, really important. I don't want anyone to be scolding the cat for trying to set boundaries, because again, our cats are prey animals, and our puppies, even our toy breeds, are going to end up in a place where they rival the cat in size and strength. Even, you know, pretty tiny chihuahuas are going to, um, potentially really harass the cat. So it's okay, especially as the puppy is younger, for the cat to kind of teach those boundaries and enforce those boundaries as the puppy ages. If we are seeing more serious fixation, screaming, growling, stalking, or anything like that from the puppy, that is a really important time and place to start thinking about calling in a behavior consultant. Again, I can help at journeydogtraining.com, or you can post on the Pandemic Puppy Raising Group if I don't have availability that'll work for you, and one of the trainer admin members will be able to help you out as well. I also will link in the show notes to this um, podcast a full, I think it's a two-part podcast that I did on a very difficult dog-cat introduction that I did several years ago. So that will cover kind of, again, kind of the more extreme version of things where it took several weeks and several training sessions um, for us to be able to successfully introduce the dogs and cat in that household. Again, though, for the vast majority of us with these younger puppies, we should be able to introduce them to cats relatively seamlessly the big caveat, again, I know I've said this so many times, is when we've got older puppies or particularly puppies of more prey-driven breeds, and especially if we've got a cat that runs. Um, so, you know, it, it, if the cat is running, that can definitely activate the prey um, drive or predatory sequence or whatever in the dog. So making sure that we can interrupt that using all these different barriers is really important. So I hope you find that helpful. I hope it's a good primer on introducing dogs and cats. If you need more help, again, you know where to find us at journeydogtraining.com or the Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group on Facebook. You can always join our Patreon at patreon.com slash pandemicpuppy, which also helps support this podcast and keeps it going because publishing the podcast and our editor are not free. Um, otherwise, everything um, in that line comes out of my personal bank account. And you can join um, that puppy raising blueprint course at journeydogtraining.com slash blueprint, which covers all sorts of great puppy raising tips and tricks. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.